LFG. Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host Marty, alongside Dave. Hello. And John. Hey. For the, for another week, we have uh, three and not a not a full four. Um, unfortunately, Aaron is attending to um, family matters this tonight, so um, we hope uh, uh, his wife is not feeling very well. So we hope she's feeling better soon. Amy get well soon. Um, so that's why he's not with us this, tonight. I'm going to apologise first off. Um, right now today, I sound like a teenager going through puberty my voice keeps breaking because i've got a sore throat so uh if i if my voice goes ah, like this later on <clears throat> it's simply because my throat is when me. when are you uh, gonna do your rendition of smelly cat then oh that'll that'll sound really smooth and like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um but my throat is sore so i will try and keep the talking to a minimum and i, I like the fact john uh, you've added in quite a lot of the stories this week so you get to take over um look uh, i, I took a podcast off i felt like i had to make up for it yeah, I think I think it was just right to do. Um, as usual, um, or not before we get into that, just check in and see how everyone's doing. Dave, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We could have done without last weekend, but yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. I'm sure. Uh, John, you had a, a fleeting stopover in Belfast um, this past weekend. Um, you're back home there in Fife. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I was back over in Northern Ireland for uh, a wedding. Uh, friends were getting married down in Bandit Country in South Armagh, so I was down there and then hopped just slightly across the border for a, a lovely little hotel night stay for the wedding reception at the, uh, what was it called? The Ballymascanlan, which my wife kept mispronouncing as the, Bally, the Ballymascallion. Which yeah. I just I just started calling it the Bally McOnion because she uh, was mispronouncing it. And any locals, um, any locals to the Newry area will just call it the Bally Mac. To be fair, yeah, um, lovely place. To be fair, um, so welcome to the Door Fourteen uh, Golf Resort uh, podcast. Oh, I thought it was. I thought you were going to say the wedding wedding venue review show. Oh, there's a market in that, you know. <laughs> There probably is, you know, there probably is. We're missing the trick. Other, otherwise, I'm fine, other than the fact that my um, optic nerves are still recovering from when the lights went on on Sunday's game. That was the first time I've experienced the new uh, the new game night lights in the arena. Wow. Yeah, um, I was going to say to both of you guys, that's, this obviously this past weekend um, was the first weekend that you both experienced the the new intros um and you both experienced the new lighting system in terms of the flashing strobing lights but also the whole just sheer uh brightness of the of the the floodlights inside um i was going to ask that exact question what was your what was your take on it in terms of let's first off get your thoughts in terms of that the, the new the new intro and the strobe lighting and the effects that are that are created dave what was your thought on that okay uh, i like the intro it was all right um it didn't get me hyped you know it didn't get me wanting to go out and fight, but uh, it was all right. Um, yeah. The lighting effects were pretty cool. Um, the what well, super seizure seizure calling lights, you know, they're <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the brightness was unreal. But that's it's probably more uh, shocking to us because our lights before were sort of like a dim yellow color. <laughs> you know, they were never really properly bright. So they were they're a bit you would mellow, think they were installed. You would think they were installed before the smoking ban. <laughs> 
that, that's true. Um, and John, in terms of just um, your thoughts then on the on the intro, I know you're you're pointing there. If anybody who's watching it's, the the not watching the YouTube YouTube video, you're pointing there. What, what were you? Yeah, it's I mirror exactly what Dave's saying. Exactly the same sentiment. The the lighting effects are really cool. I love the new lighting rig um, that's around where the players come out. I'm sure if you're on the opposite side of the ice, like, that looks amazing. And I, I have seen it in some of the highlight packages when they've shown the players coming out, and it is really, really cool. Um, the one thing that I'm, I'm not overly taken with is the, the new sort of mid-season uh, intro video and experience. It, it, Dave said it, it it doesn't get you up it, for a challenge it's I get what they've tried to do it hasn't worked um, it felt very flat the video we used to complain about the sound system in the SSE and you could barely hear any of the announcements and the rest of it and they've got that sorted but something about that video I str- and it's not just the fact that I've been away for six months I struggled actually to understand some of what was being said in the video. It got lost in the base of the what was happening in the video. And I got I, I get what they're trying to do. The video itself is really cool. And then it leads to Finn starting something in the arena. But it's missing something. It's not hype enough. It's not energy it gets, enough. Uh, I was going to say... It gets killed as well <laughs> at the very... As soon as Finn's finished, they, do the, they start chanting. Then they play music. The, the what I was going to say was this weekend was the first noticeable weekend where so I'm not saying because we've had a, we had a larger away contingent this weekend well we did because obviously it was a double header so we had a lot more fans come over from Manchester but in the games in October that I had seen I know it was only on maybe they only used that intro maybe three times from October and the start of November there I know we didn't have any games in November so the first three games that I seen that intro it, it seemed a lot more like it, it kind of led into people like a, a natural cheer and people getting jeered up and stuff like that but this time around i noticed because there was a larger crowd from the away fans because they were already cheering and they were shouting and cheering for their team coming in they were louder they they they, they created this loudness you could hear and then also there was this, this this kind of like moment where the giants fans or the giants the, the atmosphere in the arena kind of as you as you kind of mentioned there you know you had the drum and then all of a sudden people there was kind of a disconnect where people were cheering and and, che- and then the music came on and it was just there was something where it just felt like it was drowned out and didn't have the same there's there's something there's something missing in that like you're you're asking for the crowd to give you the atmosphere and like yes that's that's fine 90 percent of games that home crowd in the sse will give you that atmosphere the guys in boomerang will give you that atmosphere but when you're doing that but you're you've got a few thousand people who are going from standing and clapping and seeing the players come on the ice then everyone's slightly doing that half turn round, pull their seat down, sit down they're not clapping at that point they're not cheering at that point it goes flat, it's always done that but what's taken over from that has been the continued music that carries on and that keeps it going for that split second, that 30 seconds when everyone's getting comfortable again uh, parents are sorting kids out in their seats again that's what's not taken account of there. That video just stops and it goes dead. And mm. that's that's the problem for me. But what was wrong with Fallout Boy? 
<laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, and just before we move on, just obviously you 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 mentioned the lights. Obviously, you've, you've experienced the first game under the new lights and stuff. And I think I I kind of mentioned it in one of the past podcasts. Or I think I mentioned it in our group. And I think you were kind of I don't know how serious you guys took me in terms of what I said to use that first game or when I came away from it. I was like, I I was like I was like, honestly taken back by it. And the guy in the guy the family who sat in front of us, the 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 dad of the family who sat in front of us, he literally went and bought a baseball cap for him and his son because they were just like, we can't see the glare from there's a light, there's two lights, yeah. there's two lights kind of over one to our yeah. left and one to our right. Like just directly down as if like they're coming towards us. I don't know what it is. But there's two lights just up here and they are just so glaring that if you look up towards the scoreboard, you have to almost like cover your your eyes in order to look yeah. up and look at the scoreboard. Um between and those I, two I think lights. you guys I genuinely thought you guys were probably thinking, what is Martin is just I completely no 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 you were you were 100% right and what made it even worse is anyone who knows me at games I wear a baseball cap but this time I couldn't bring uh, a jersey or my cap with me because I had nothing but hand luggage I was also bringing a six month old over um, so I had no room for anything other than my kilt in my hand luggage so I didn't even have a jersey with me had no hat it's the one time I really could have done with it I could have done with this thing right here the bill on this cap to keep those lights out of my eyes. I got there eventually, but I won't lie, I did go home and sit in a dark room afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, at least he's experienced it, um, and he's, he's got your hockey fill this weekend. That was our first weekend of hockey in about three or four uh, weeks. Here. So. Got, got my hockey fill. First time in a couple of months where I've been at the SSE. It was awful nice of the, the storm to play some hockey and the Giants just to turn up. Yeah, we will talk about that uh, in, the, in period one. Um, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about... Um, some changes coming and going and some things that are happening so we will talk about that in period one so let's let's start moving the podcast forward so we can get to that point uh, and let's start off our podcast the way we always do and just take a quick look at the standings across both the here in the uk in the uh, via play elite league and then across the pond in the nhl so starting off in the via play elite league um i got it right this week so i'm glad to i'm, gl- I'm glad you all noticed that um sitting in first place still at the top of the league with 21 games played 37 points is the guildford flames sitting in second is the coventry blaze with 23 games played and 31 points sheffield steelers sit in third with 19 games played at 28 points Cardiff Devils are in fourth with 20 games played and 28 points. Belfast Giants sit in fifth with 19 games played and 24 points. Nottingham Panthers are in sixth with 19 games played, 16 points. Five Flyers sit in seventh with 22 games played, 16 points. And Manchester Storm sit in eighth with 19 games played and 15 points. Dundee Stars are in ninth with 22 games played, 15. And Glasgow are sitting bottom with 22 games played and 13 points. Dave, let's go to you first. Um not too much change um at the top of that at the top of the league. Obviously Guildford are still holding holding their, their own and they're still holding quite strong at, at the top of, of the league there with um, sitting in first place. And Coventry since our last recording have moved into the second the second spot there quite um quite comfortably. Uh what's what's your thoughts in terms of um how how, how things are looking as we as we stand? Yeah, that seems to be um sort of trundling on the way it had been. Um as we we chatted about, um, as much as the Giants are having a mid-season struggle, um, it's really nice to see different teams in those top spots. Um, I can take my tinted sunglasses off for ten minutes and say that you know not what uh, I thought you were going to say there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, those two guys, you know, the Guilford Flames and the Coventry Blaze. Uh, rightfully so, deserve to be be up there. Obviously, the the, the usual folks are still around the mix, but uh, it's really really good to see 
um, a different set of people at the top of there, and the Guild for Flames are showing pure quality at the minute, so it'll be be interesting as we come into the business end of the season. Uh, John, one of the comments that I had heard quite clearly over the weekend from fans talking, and you know, obviously not trying to make excuses for for why you know the likes of Belfast and and, and Cardiff and, and Sheffield are down in th- third, fourth, fifth, and and the likes this uh, and the likes of it. Um, but one of the comments that I heard over the weekend was that um, Fife or sorry, Guildford in particular um, have been lucky so far this season in that they haven't came um, came across a crop of any kind of injury crisis um, as of yet. So they've had no real problems with um, having full bench benches of players to, so far to this point of the season. Do you think there's any kind of you know, truth in that? Do you think there's any kind of, you know, what, what's your take? Well, Guildford are the, the team who I don't think have had to go to the well mid-season and look for signings. Um, all that's down to is good player management, good game management and good coaching. Um, that's what you put it down to. I, I'm not for a second suggesting that those things aren't happening at the other teams. Like Injuries happen. Um, bad moments on ice happen. Guys get injured. But every team has to manage that at some point. Um, look, Guildford could end up with a laundry list of injuries after um, tomorrow's game uh, that they're playing um, in the Challenge Cup. You just don't know. Um, they are managing their players well. They are managing their games well. And everything else is, is fall into place for them. Right, Coventry, I think, are in a very similar position. And then you start getting into the likes of... Well, Sheffield, revolving door Sheffield. Uh, it's not quite there yet. They're not quite at revolving door status just quite yet. But again, they're managing things quite well. And you look at those top three teams in particular, um, you could throw Cardiff into this. Their points percentage is above 700 uh, when you're looking at, uh, at points production for uh, games played. Um, Guildford, in particular, sitting at uh, 88% um, points percentage. It's it's no wonder they're in first, uh, really. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they go as the games get more challenging, as the season goes on. Does that team have the longevity? We've seen it before with Glasgow. Um, back when they were Brayhead, um, they were in really, really strong positions in both the Cup and the League at one point, and then the tyres just came falling off uh, in the second half of the season. Uh, I don't expect uh, that to happen from a Paul Dixon team, um, that's right, Dave. His name's Paul Dixon. Um, and see, we needed see, you last I week. Do, I do listen. I do listen. Um, he's a fantastic coach, and he is having a, a great season so far with a great group of players. Um, so let's wait and see uh, how things go. Bottom end of the table. Yeah, you're probably going to ask me, Marty. Bottom end of the table. Uh, you normally do, and I'm going to jump straight into it. <laughs> I, I don't see. I don't see much changing. Um, it's it's really sad to see two of the three Scottish teams being rooted to the bottom of the table. Um, now, admittedly, points wise, things are quite close um, between pretty much seventh, uh, actually sixth, down to tenth. There's only three points in it. Um, but when you look at um, games played and uh, sort of wins on losses, even overtime losses, I mean. God love Glasgow. Like they, they can't string some luck together. They've only got five regulation wins and three overtime losses. So even getting to overtime, 
they they can't get those they can't get those wins uh, when it comes to overtime wins because they've got none. Three overtime shootout losses and no wins in overtime. Um, luck is a big part of this game, and they just haven't got any. Well, well said. And yes, you uh, you're you're continuing the trend from last uh, from the last podcast, and you're just copying from you're just reading from my notes. So, um, Dave, uh, before we move on across the pond, uh, any your thoughts on the on the bottom end of the league? Yeah, it's uh, as John was saying. It is a shame to see um, Dundee in particular. They're definitely a better better team than that. Um, haven't seen them so much this year. They, they definitely have um, some quality that they're they're just not able to you know string it together. Maybe we'll see that change. However, as John said, it's so tight from halfway down the table that it'll be one one bad weekend, or sorry, in Stor- the Storm's case, one good weekend, change their fortunes, something rotten. So yeah, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Indeed, um, we put down. I over the weekend, I put down uh, Manchester's dominant performance over the, the course that weekend having a four point weekend against Belfast Giants uh, down to um, Aaron's fault because um, on the podcast two weeks ago on our last recording Aaron, Aaron's question I think during this period this point this point of the podcast was here what happened Manchester Storm so far this season <laughs> and then all of a sudden they beat Giants twice and and yeah they changed their they, they turned their luck around a wee bit there um, anyway um, guys I'm going to switch focus and we're going to move across the pond um, to the NHL Um before you, you do that, Marty, before <clears throat> yes. you do that, let's not forget that there's still the, the Cowboy Cup in uh, in play and <laughs> a couple of a couple of games are being played live and uh, I know that I know that all of our listeners were massive fans of my score updates the last time when it was just you and me. So I just wanna jump in there quickly and just let everyone know that as we stand uh, not that this goes out live or anything at all. You could probably just look up uh, the results right now uh, whenever you're listening. But right now we're in the second period and uh, Dundee and Fife are tied at two apiece. Um, meanwhile, uh, Sheffield-Cardiff, 3-0 Sheffield. That's where we are. I'm so glad you brought that back. Um, I, was, I was looking forward to that this podcast. So, thank so, you so to much. point out, these are these are both these are both first round games. Uh, so we still have uh, the return legs to do. So uh, realistically, these score lines mean absolutely nothing other than a, a goal advantage going into I, the second leg. Whenever they announced the the seeding, I got super excited, thinking, "Oh, they're just going to do a one leg knockout." No, 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 no chance of getting this done quickly. Nope. <laughs> Nope. <clears throat> I, I like just before we move on, just the last comment about the chance cup is I do like that. Um, if you do follow, if anybody um, does followers on the, the the Giants Facebook forum, um, so <laughs> 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 someone asked the question about the Challenge Cup. Obviously, being a newbie um, this this season, I was just asking, you know, you know about the, uh, and I just straight away I was just like, oh, John's gonna be triggered. <laughs> I was correct. Mark, Mark, Mark was uh, a better man than I was, and uh, put on a, a very, very nice, succinct essay on how the Challenge Cup works. Uh, meanwhile, I replied with a, a gif of a frog that said "triggered." <laughs> oh dear! Right, we're actually done it wasn't a frog. It wasn't a frog. This is really important. I'm about to correct myself. It was a teenage mutant ninja turtle that was triggered. Yeah. Well, the difference between a frog and a, tur- and a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yeah. Um, or teenage mutant ninja turtles. And with that, we'll move across to the other side of the water. <laughs> um, we're going to look at the Eastern Conference Metropolitan Division first. Uh, New Jersey Devils sit top uh, with 26 games played and 21, uh, 
43 points. Carolina are in second with 26 games played and 34 points. And Pittsburgh Penguins are in third with 26 games played, 32 points. Atlantic Division then, Boston sit top with 24 games played, 41 points. Toronto are in second, 27, 27 games played, 38 points. And Detroit Red Wings still sit in third, 25 games played and 31 points. Wild cards, although it doesn't really matter at this point of the season, but they are there. New York Islanders and Tampa Bay sit top uh, first and second. Um, just because even though he's not here this week, we'll just mention it. Philadelphia Flyers have dropped down to eighth place um, in the division. In the division, so um, yeah, that's the problem. He's probably glad he's not here to talk about it any further. Um, across the pond, across the other side of the country, in the western side, in the central division, Winnipeg still sit top with twenty six games played and thirty three points. Uh, closely followed by Dallas, twenty six games played, thirty three points, and Minnesota have moved into third place there, twenty four games played and twenty eight points. In the Pacific Division, Vegas are sitting top still with 27 games played, 39 points. Seattle are still in second with 25 games played, 33 points. And Los Angeles are in third with 28 games played and 32 points. Wild cards again, Edmonton and Colorado. Uh, John Nashville are in fourth place. We talk about it, we talk about this, and there's no point. You know, I, I always well, ask you, always come to you, and always say to you, Dave. I always and you always say the same answer. But obviously, Wild have moved into that that spot third. But as you always say, it's just such a, a battle uh, in that Did division. You, you know, everyone. You look at the stats between so close. Um, the Wild and Nashville. It's like almost identical. There's one one game. one one game in it. Um, Wild are on a four game winning streak. Nashville are on three, and uh, it's literally that's the difference. There's one one game in it, and all the stats if you match them up it's you know three wins for the or 13 wins for the wild 12 for nashville and you just go down through them all and it's all the same because <laughs> yeah. it's it's just been back and forth all season so we'll see how it goes yeah um and you're right uh it's uh, it's still really early days we, we said we'd obviously wanted to just mention about the nhl obviously and just kind of keep you updated with the league standings um but we know ourselves it's very early or very early days and it doesn't get interesting until we hit around about maybe march time anyway when people are starting to fight for those final places in the playoff spot and uh, well we were even we more interested until uh aaron gave us that statistic was it last podcast dave where aaron was saying that um one of the reports that he had read was 75 percent of the people who are sitting uh in those places in their places will be at there um, and in the playoffs um, come to, to come the end of the season um, so we'll just wait and see who the other 25% drop out and move in so here's hoping for a king's collapse again <laughs> uh, John any thoughts on that before we move on any thoughts on the coming from the NHL um, at this stage when it comes to the league unless the Preds are going to win a President's Trophy and raise a banner I don't care <laughs> fair enough fair enough um okay well then if you are happy enough we do have quite an, a packed um running order for um our first uh definitely our first two periods anyway so with that if you're happy we'll get moved on to our period one of hockey Okay, period one of hockey is a roundup of stories and news coming out of the uk um across any of the leagues here um, <clears throat> in, in the UK. Um, I'm going to just start off just with a quick notice before I switch over to John, because John, you can take over the rest because the rest of the stories are yours. But I'm going <laughs> to just start off with a quick one um, just because I just th- felt it should be mentioned because obviously in our last recording uh, was just at the tail end of November. 
<clears throat> for anybody who is um, listening to us from the States. Obviously, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving because that's when we last recorded um, and our last episode went out. But uh, also over that Thanksgiving weekend, the Belfast Giants, or sorry, not Belfast Giants, sorry, the SSE Arena in Belfast hosted the uh, Belpot Trophy um, here in Belfast. Um, and this year, the winner, winners were the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Um, they were the winners of this year's tournament. Now, um, unfortunately, I don't think we... And he was got to um, got to the 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 French before this weekend this year, which is just sad. Obviously, I was away, we were I was went on um, on on holiday. John, you were out of country. Dave, you had a birthday to attend to. Your son turned 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 nine. Nine, yeah. Nine. Um, so had, yeah, so you had all of that to deal with. Um, but it was from what I've heard and from the the the, the highlights packages that I watched. Both I think it was on BBC Three. Strangely, I watched it. Um, they it was on I, I was, honestly I was flicking over I think it was last Sunday night or something or last yeah last Sunday or whatever it was and it was on BBC 3 and I was like wait what um, so they had highlights and I was like watching watching the highlights from that um, so it looked like a fantastic action packed game um, clinched a 4-3 victory um, in the end um, I think they came back from a three goal deficit as well um, and I think it was just a, a fantastic weekend overall um, for everyone involved. Um, it will return, I believe, next season um, for another year. Um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we will be able to make it next year. Um, if you were there... Th- that's that's pretty cool for Quinnipiac to get that because they they made the final the first time they were in the Bellpot and I think we're just... Was it Northeastern? Mm. Just put them, um, put them out in the final. Um because that was the year that we went to everything and I think got incredibly messily drunk and got told off for shouting at a hockey game. That's right. By fans <laughs> behind us, yeah. By, by No fans in front of us. Oh, in front of us, yeah. Um, I, I did notice, if anybody, if you had seen it, um, obviously um, they there was a... a, a I'll see if I can find the, the article for it, but obviously the Bobcats manager um, done an interview about you know his experience over the, the, the weekend and, and how things went and... He was like, yeah, it was great. You know, it was really well planned. You know, this time around, we were able to get out and we were able to explore the country more and, you know, everything was great. You know, we arrived, the weather was good and blah, blah, He's like, you know, the only fault was the ice. You know, it was shocking and really bad ice in the SSE arena. You know, it's it was awful. And it was just like, I was like, oh, okay, right. So, yeah, they were they were just saying that I think a lot of the responses came just, they were saying that it was really a bad ice surface. Um, we, we, uh, the Giants, or the SSE always suffer from bad ice. Same as any multi-purpose arena, things like... Uh, Mazda Square Gardens is exactly the same where they, if they're constantly changing in the ice it gets choppy as all hell that's you, you, that's exactly what I was going to say is like you know they're, they're so used to having a, a college college ice which permanent, permanent ice permanent ice where they just get the kind of you know but whereas you're yeah if you're going to be moving up to an arena and you're going to be using up the, as you say a multi-space a multi-purpose space to do with the fact that. they have to freeze it faster um, and when, it, when they freeze it faster it gets jagged and then it yeah. gets brittle so you but, uh, these weird divots and just stuff. I want to I'm gonna again. I'm gonna correct myself here because before someone Mark decides to message in <laughs> and correct me again, uh, Quinnipiac did hit the final in the second uh, friendship four, um, but it was Vermont who won that one. Uh, yes, Northeastern. That's right. Northeastern won in 2019, which was the last tournament uh, pre-COVID to take place. This is the first one since COVID. But then didn't, didn't they also win the first one as well, Northeastern? Because no, that was no. Massachusetts Lowell. Massachusetts UMass Lowell. Lowell. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. You're right. North, um, Northeastern did take part, but came third in did. that tournament. Oh, 
because I had their jersey. I put them off. Um, that was it. I just wanted to quickly mention that. Um, just kind of obviously mention the fact that it happened and, and it had 22,000 people all together over the four games at the SSC Arena um, attended and watched hockey, um, all obviously from schools and clubs. And and um, yeah, I believe that um, those who went did have a, a, great, a great time while they were there. So if you did go, hopefully you also had a, a great time. And um, yeah. Hopefully we'll see you next year for that. Um, John, <clears throat> I'm going to move it over to you. I'm going to give my voice a bit of a break. Um, I'm going to move it across to you and you can do the next few stories for us. Yep. Um, well, I'm taking over because in a step change, uh, <clears throat> I've done a lot of the homework this time. And like I said at the start of the podcast, felt like I, I kind of should having missed the last podcast. Um, guys, I'm going to stick in Belfast to start with. Um, and this was the news that had been rumoured for quite a while uh, but was then confirmed, I believe, on Monday of this week. Uh, and this was the news that Chad Butcher was leaving the team. Um, guys, is there much surprise, Dave, in Butcher going, do you think? Um, I think that, uh, as from what I gather, um, according to some of the other news outlets, I think the Bell Tell as well mentioned that he had, or- he's already, he had already left when the rumours had started to circulate. Um, either um, out of a bad injury that they didn't think he would recover from or from um, sort of Kiefer cleaning house to try and uh, rejig things. Um, It's been a difficult season for a lot of players in in the Giants, um, mainly because um, Kiefer, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily really... Obviously, the results matter. He's purely looking at the work ethic. If they go out and work for it um if the results don't come at least he knows where they can be fixed because the guys are all working i think he's seen people that weren't weren't working um and butcher might have been one of the ones that ended up getting injured because of other people um you know if he's playing extra extra ice time but i think he just needed to shake things up and that was uh, and that's who he's went with um it'll be interesting i don't think this will be the last yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about uh, a guy, a centre, who in 11 games played in the Elite League um, had only got one goal and two assists for three points, um, leaving the Giants with a plus-minus of minus four. Um, he clearly hasn't produced what was expected of him, given his, um, given his numbers previously. ECHL finished the season with uh, 34 points, um, now, admittedly, ended with a minus five, but uh, even still, 34 points, 10 goals and 24 assists over 34 games. He was nowhere near those numbers. He he just did not seem to get started this season. Whether he's come to us with a niggle or whatever, um, it, it doesn't matter. It's clearly, it's not been a partnership that's worked and he is out. But in his place, we have a returning face, Marty. Josh Roach is back for the Belfast Giants. Um, Josh Roach last played for the Giants in the absolute banner year uh, that was 2019, uh, barely just in the playoff final, missing out on the treble. Um, He's coming in as a a two-way forward defenseman. Uh, We had a talk about this at the, the game that I was at on Sunday about just how and where the Belfast Giants are short at the minute and defence is a, a massive one with Garside looking like he's back playing defence and actually it looks like he's taking shifts on both sides 
to be perfectly honest, and looks like he's playing transitional between defence and forward um, on some plays. No, no better guy to bring in, Marty. Josh no, I Roach. think <clears throat> I think it's obviously um, it's a good strong choice. Um, obviously, as you were mentioning, we did have that chat about you know what is required and that two way you know type hockey player is exactly what we're needing right now. We need that strength both um, forward and back. Someone who has the the the, the knowledge for, for the de- the defensive knowledge and the know how, um, but also is able to kind of add to the scoring and and the points um, as well. So obviously, it's a great it's a great pickup. Um, the fact that he was available and they were able to get him um, was great. We obviously been, we're hearing a lot of rumors over the weekend um, about um, you know potential signings that were coming in and where those signings be coming from. We had heard quite a bit about you know obviously well. I suppose Adam Keefe hasn't, you know, had said it himself, you know, that the players themselves, they kind of keep relying on the same forward lines to kind of keep producing the points. And we've seen it ourselves over the weekend against Manchester. We we just struggled. We just just were not able to we couldn't buy a goal at certain points of that game yeah. we just struggled really hard the Giants just struggled really hard to kind of get the goals going and getting the flow happening and yes there was a couple of bounces people will argue that it was bounces here and there and we, we would acknowledge the fact that it was the, the puck did seem quite bouncy this weekend and we acknowledge as well and people will some people will say that obviously the officiating was particularly woeful this weekend and I would probably echo and say that there was a few questionable choices this past weekend for the Giants uh, or the Giants games but I suppose, um, you know, as a, uh, you know, the the thing is, we are. I think we are lacking a bit with that that shooting power and that man power up front. But you're right. At the moment, our our main focus is the fact that we have two key defensemen, um, in Ke- um Kevin Rain and, um, oh, uh, Ryup, uh, both out still injured. You know, two key players. You know, and you know, Kevin Rain. He had to come out this past weekend as well and make a statement because there was rumours around about him this weekend too, about that he was he was on his way out because his uh, he's a, a career ending injury and stuff and the fact that he may not be back and that was the rumour that was going around the arena, and that probably had to push Kevin this weekend this weekend past this I think it was maybe at the start of the week to say, guys I'm not going anywhere I'm not away yet I'm still here and I'm I'm just taking advice from the medical staff and um, if and when I'm ready I will be there so you know um, but I think the Giants are just yeah needing to focus kind of on that and I think this is a good choice to have the two-way person both having the options of using back and forth um, and and I think it's a great idea as you mentioned yourself Garside is doing that superbly right now um, and the more the more utility players that we have like that, the better. Um, I'd say the other rumours obviously we'd heard were things like JJ Pickenich was going to come back and a couple of others. So we don't know what we'll see become, come you know, Christmas time. Maybe they will decide to pull the trigger and maybe look at um, where, where we're lacking. Um, if they're going to try and, you know, kind of try and pull anything out of this season because obviously we are struggling at the moment um, both yep. with injuries we just have to look at the weekend that, that last two, two week, the last weekend away um, in November um, you know we had we just have to look at those lineup the lineups both um, you know uh, those away games even the Guildford game that we had no I'm not making excuses for why the Giants failed against Guildford whenever they played away there at the end of the month November but when you look at the lineup we, we were using all of our you know two way signings from you know from from from, from the from the um, NIHL signings you know those the players who had signed on for two way contracts in terms of just those you tell, just have as a spur players I think all of them were on the team yeah. so I think all four or five players were, were on the rosters for that because we were just so depleted uh, through sickness and injury and um, yeah so it'll be interesting to see where we go with that can I just come back just one one comment um, just around Dave mentioned about the Belfast Telegraph article and it was something I had read and I kind of thought was quite harsh actually from um, 
oh, what's the guy's name from Adam. Adam. I thought it was quite harsh. Actually, one of the comments that he made about, um, you know, he had said about obviously that again about the Chad Butcher situation and about, you know, he's like we knew about it. They, you know, he'd been gone for quite a bit, and you know, actually that it's it's if that was if it was a choice that he'd made, that if it's a choice that that um Kiefer had made he made some comment about like you know um did he make it at the right time and should we be making more decisions or should he be more ruthless and stuff but there was a comment that he made about it and I just thought myself <clears throat> it's a not bit... how the Giants organizations it, when has it's... been set up. Remember uh, was it Seeley? No Robinson? Can't remember his name. Came in, played one game and then busted his knee and he was out for the entire season. He was sitting on the bench. A lot of it is to do with if the Giants, in the past, the Giants wouldn't have released somebody unless they had somewhere to go. Um, and especially when it comes to injuries, they, they would always be reluctant to just throw someone on the pyre, you know. Um, and that's part of what the, comp- the, the organization's built around. You know, you don't want to be that club that just burns a player um, whenever they're, they're, when they're down, you know. Um, it's different with, uh, I think they've released uh, Chad Butcher now that he's fit. And is maybe now able to get um, another contract. Well, here's hoping that he does. Um, and I don't. Um, I would hate to see them do that to, to a player, especially mid-season. Um, it's different at the end of the season when you're looking at negotiations and planning for your next season. You know, if there's people injured, you can't can't guarantee they'll be ready at the start of the season. You're not going to sign them. But mid-season, the injury happened while you're playing. You know, yes, I, in my opinion, you have a, a duty there to stand by the players. You don't want to be just. I think I think that's the that's the that's the clear difference uh, with what's going on with the the likes of the guys that we have on the injured reserve list, um, like Kevin Rain. The the organisation are clearly standing by those guys and going right. What's the long term? How do we get you back? The difference with Butcher is that he was uh, an employee brought in to do a job. And let's not forget that these guys are doing this for a job. They they love what they do, and we love watching what they do. Um, Believe me, nobody sits and loves me being a biodiversity officer. Um, but w- people love watching this. And he was brought in to score goals and create opportunities for goals. And he hasn't done that. So he, he hasn't met the, the core fundamental aspect of what his job in Belfast was to do. And therefore, he's gone. And look, we, we don't wish him ill at all. We I really hope that he gets picked up. I Actually, I saw a lot of talk on uh, online with the likes of... Dundee, Fife, and even Manchester being looked at as potential um, stopping but, points for Chad. Uh, do we know? Do we know for? Do we know for a, f- a fact that the reason why he left was because the Giants had pulled the trigger on it, or was it that Chad had made the decision? Well, and the wording, away? the wording of the release, the wording of the release was that he had been released. They okay. were parting ways. Um, okay. So I would assume that. But when you look at who we've brought in and Josh Roach um, when you talk about points production um, bearing in mind that Josh Roach is a utility player, he's a, an offensive defenseman uh, or a defensive offenseman depending on which way you want to look at it um, 7 games played in the SVHL and he's already 15 points um, so that to me that's fantastic, that's what we need that's that secondary scoring that we must start producing against the top teams uh, to be honest, we need to produce it against all nine other teams because we need points at this point from all nine other teams. Um, so I'll massively look forward to what he's going to bring. But I do note, however, he will not be icing during this weekend's games. So uh, it's after this weekend where he'll be coming in. So clearly that's a uh, 
travel, visa, whatever. Uh, but that was just to steady the ship, I think, uh, with Butcher going and just to let yeah. the fan base know that something's happening. Because one thing that I would would like to you know bring attention to is that there's always people out there that, you know talk about they talk about it from you know, top to bottom. Are the Giants' problem currently is definitely goal production. Um, they still have um, one of the best goals against averages um, for a team um, in the league, just in general. Um, you know, and they're they're. It's the problem is they're not getting, you know, they're they're bringing it down to I think it's oh, taking this weekend out obviously. Um, they're you know you're talking two goals um, against the Giants in a game is what you're going to maybe get on a on a good day, um, and the Giants are just whenever they win they outscore that they they get more. Uh, the problem being is we're just not getting those more goals because it's only it's relying on you know four guys you know it's it's uh, you know it's not sustainable. Okay, uh, I think we've done that subject to death. Um, it's worthwhile then just mentioning that the uh, Giants are not the only team that are involved in player movements at the moment. Um, today we had the announcement coming from the Five Flyers that they have signed uh, a new offenseman, new Canadian offenseman, uh, Liam Blackburn, uh, who joined the squad and I believe may or may not be icing tonight in their game. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think he might be joining for the weekend. I don't think he's icing in their Challenge Cup game tonight. Um, but that, again, is another another squad in need of, of goals and, uh, and points on the board. Um, there was one other major um, player move this week that uh, is well worth discussing, guys. Uh, and this is the departure, another departure, unfortunately, from the Glasgow clan. But this is a big one. Uh, Matthew and I'm, I I hate myself for the way I'm going to pronounce this, but Matthew Wa, what Roy R O Y, Matthew Wa um, has departed the uh, Matthew Roy Glasgow West. That's <laughs> Roy. Listen, I know. We know it's Roy. I know it's Roy. He probably knows it's Roy, but apparently it's pronounced Wa. Um, so Matthew Wa, a well-known player across the league, um, spent some time in Sheffield before being rather unceremoniously dumped by uh, a changing coaching squad in Sheffield uh, a couple of seasons ago. Um, and since then, since 2019, uh, has been with... Um, the clan and has been a massive part of that squad to be perfectly honest um, I believe he was captain at one point um, and he's one of the biggest points producers that they've got um, his last game for the clan he was man of the match because he scored the game winning goal um, and when you've got a team that are in as dire straits as what the clan are this is not a departure that you want to see however I will say that the the way the club has managed this departure, uh, given the fact that Mathieu has gone because of a, a brilliant opportunity, still in hockey but off the, the playing surface himself, I believe he's stepping behind the microphone uh, over in North America. Um, the clan's approach to this should be applauded, I think. They, they've recognised that Mathieu has had a storied career, um, 124 games for the clan alone 64 goals, 53 assists and uh, 113 penalty minutes 
uh, in his tenure with the clan, let alone the numbers that he, he put up with the Steelers as well. Um, he's a massive loss to the league. Um, guys, what's your, your thoughts on this, Marty? I know you've got thoughts. Yeah, this one, um, you know, you'd, you'd said about, you said there, I mean, this one, this one, I feel came out of left field like I was not uh, like you know it was one of those he, he became one of those players that's over the last number of years both with the Steelers and, and obviously currently well previously now with the clan but you know over the last number of years he's been like one of those now kind of such a, a household name here in the late league you know you're so used to seeing that name you're so used to hearing it you're so used to him producing the points and, and being there and you know doing production and stuff you know of what he did on the ice that this came out of nowhere um but yeah as you say i've got i've got to say you know we well we talked about it in the last podcast you know i think it was aaron had mentioned about the fact that you know the clan were going through it almost like clearing house or it was more it wasn't even they were clearing house clan were just going through his phase of just people were just abandoning ships ship like you know shipwreck you know rats leaving the sinking ship type idea um and i and you know it mentioned he mentioned it in this statement you know for him leaving you know he just said you know i am sad to be leaving but i made this decision for me and my family um he's like you know we are start, just when things are starting to turn around on the ice you know things are starting to get you know things are starting to look up you know and i apologize for that but you know fa- you know fair play to the um the, the clan for you know being so I suppose courteous about their their response to this in the in the statement that they put out and and understanding that you know the future for him and his family obviously it needs to come first and um, it's just what happens that it's came now mid season and I suppose it's, it must be it must be a, a fantastic opportunity it must be something that just couldn't be turned down if it's you know it's future in hockey you know and I mean you don't you don't look, you don't turn your nose at that I suppose you don't turn your nose away for that you know especially if you, if you feel that you've only got a certain number of years left in your playing career um to you know you know, move on from that. So fair play to him as well, I'll say. Yeah, you're just right. Dave, the king is gone. <laughs> I think it's uh it's gonna be a big loss for them. Um obviously it, he did a it did a job, did a cracking job for them. Um the timing of the departure is obviously all purely down to the offer he's been given, um which I'm, I'm assuming we'll hear more about in the coming the coming weeks and months. Um but you know when something, whenever he can't look a gift horse and all that, just you know, if he can stay involved in the sport but not have to worry about being um, a player, there's only so many opportunities out there that you have. So, good luck to him. Yep, definitely. Um, guys, one last uh, sort of story, if you like, to uh, go over. And unfortunately, uh, we have to talk about those uh, eleven guys who wear white shirts and kick a bag of wind around a grass field. Um, I say a grass field, I'm not entirely sure it's grass over in Qatar. Um, But unless you've been living under a rock, you will know that England have made it through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in Qatar. As much as we want to not hear about it, um, all we do is hear about it. Um, Guys, it means that there is an interesting dynamic happening uh, between football and ice hockey this Saturday. Because um, because of the time difference to Qatar, England will kick off against France at 7pm local time, uh, local UK time, GMT, uh, you know, the time at the centre of the universe. <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing is, as we all know, standard Saturday face-off time for the Elite League and pretty much for most hockey leagues uh, around the UK is 7 o'clock. So... After a little bit of uh, pressure, shall you say, online, 
The Manchester Storm announced on Monday that uh, there would be a time change, a face-off change to their game against the Sheffield Steelers. The game will now face off at 4.45 rather than at 7pm. With um, following the game, the England football game will be shown on the large screen in the rink, which as far as I remember for Manchester is a roll-down projector screen at the end of the rink. Um, or is it is it a proper big screen? I think they're... You've, I think, you've been to the arena, Marty. I think, if I remember correctly, they're, they're kind of like the setup. Where they have little small screens at each, at the sec, you know, each section. Is it like the uh, Big Brew tent? Yeah, I think it's something like that. I think they have like little small like t- like TV size screens, you know, like <laughs> like a fifty five inch TVs, um, or maybe like forty two inch TVs, um, just kind of like at different sections, um, different different sections of the of the. I think I can't. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not anyway. You could even put a bet on them being 55s. That's why I I shrunk it down to 42 inch. Look, the announcement says that it it will be on the big screens. Um, So being shown on the... Oh, sorry, on the screens. So, Marty, you might be right, actually. Hmm. Uh, It'll be on probably old CRT TVs that have got those cages right no, in case the puck hits them no they're a bit more they're a bit more modern than that I think they're more okay. like the, you know the, the, they're, they're a bit more like the, the old LEDs they, with the thicker with the thicker do they, casing do they still have like a metal cage around it no no so it's going to look like a 22 guys playing Minesweeper <laughs> true <laughs> um, but I bring this up not because of that because if this was the only statement I would not be bringing this up um the most interesting part of this, and I, I love, absolutely love this, um, the fact that there has been no statement at all uh, from these two teams. Uh, the Glasgow clan and the Five Flyers will face off against English teams on Saturday. So far, and bearing in mind, we are recording on Wednesday, so I very much doubt that there will be an announcement at this point. Um, they will not be changing their face-off times, <laughs> and they will face off both games uh, in Glasgow and in Kirkcaldy are still scheduled to face off at 7pm. Um, I guarantee I don't the know only goal that... announcements from the football will be whenever France scores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, right. yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm absolutely here for it. Absolutely love it. No indication of doing anything at all. Um, the only other game uh, that's on that day, guys, is... Uh, in Cardiff, it's the Giants versus the Devils, and clearly normal service cares. continues. Yeah. Normal service shall continue, and nobody cares, especially the Welsh. The Welsh are, to be honest, they would they would have moved the face off to coincide <laughs> with the kick off of that game if they had to. I feel. Um, <laughs> I did say that um, other leagues are doing the same sort of thing, um, so I. Ju- I was aware of one and I pulled this one out that in the NIHL uh, the Basingstoke Bison will also be changing their face-off time from 7pm to 4.45 in a similar move to Manchester um, yeah so changing changing hockey because of football no not a fan yeah me either you know I watched a, I watched a football match yeah it wasn't all crackable to me <laughs> Honestly, the, the the concept, and I, I know fine rightly, I know that there's football fans here. Like, I've been to one football game in my entire life. It was 
Now let me get this right. It was Hibs against Dunfermline when I was in primary school, and they took us from the primary school. Um, and you were like holding on to the door frame. <laughs> pretty much. Which is um, which is one would rather do schoolwork. Which is <laughs> one of one of those teams got relegated after that game. I I couldn't tell you which one it was, but we were going down bunch of primary school kids in a double decker bus, and we went past a pub, and of course, as you do as a kid, they all started shouting relegation at the um the, the I can't remember which ones it was um pretty sure it was Hibs because they were the away fans we were in Dunfermline and uh, yeah you would not imagine that a bunch of grown men would throw beer bottles at a school bus but they did <laughs> um and it's ironic because in a, in a in a previous life I used to um get a, get off school at least four or five times a year to go to football games there you go. Um, Who the fuck? Now you, get, now you get off work or two, uh, three or four times a year to go see hockey games. So. Yeah, that's true. It's just huge. <laughs> I think it's huge. No, I couldn't, um, so no, yeah, I couldn't think of anything worse than, than having to sit down and watch the game. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, so hockey, hockey is going to change what it's doing because 22 guys are going to run around a grass pitch and kick a bag of wind. Um, with that then, we only have the penalty box left and there's a, a couple of little interesting things just have happened locally um, with regards to one is DOPS the other one is a a very recent one from today to do with um, a lack of discipline shall we say Um, so guys in the Elite League in DOPS um, Sheffield Steelers uh, Pet Grave um, one of their D-men has been fined for abusive officials at 60 Minutes um, absolutely no explanation behind this. Uh, no, no video. Um, clearly, because there probably wouldn't be video of the incident. This is based on the referee's report. And yet again, we're in the position where we've no idea what the fine is, uh, how much it is, where it goes, what it's used for. And to be honest, it probably doesn't mean anything anyway because it's against a Sheffield player. Um, interesting. My point about putting this one was was that. Um, the last two decisions by DOPS have come because of abusive officials. And Marty, you mentioned about the game that we saw on Sunday in Belfast. Is officiating going backwards? And is it the root cause of why these abusive official calls are starting to come? I mean, we. I, I'm surprised that we didn't get... Um, I, know, I know on Saturday night that the call... <clears throat> on Saturday night on the Belfast Giants at the end of the game, um, we seen one of our own players <clears throat> in Belfast um, get a 2 plus 10 plus game, but that was for, I think, unsportsmanlike conduct. Was that correct? I don't think it was a beautiful official. on Saturday. On the Saturday night's game. Now, I, 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 I don't, I, you know, I don't want to say, uh, <laughs> you know, I, things got heated in that first game on Saturday, on Saturday. Um, you know, Dave will agree with me on that Saturday game. It was just, calls were just there was goals disallowed and there was a bunch of other things happened and it just you could feel it not just from the players and the ice players started to lose but the Giants players started to lose discipline on the ice started to get frustrated started to let that build up and started getting into their heads the whole fan base you could feel it in that arena the arena was packed on Saturday night I mean barely it was almost I think it was almost a sellout for the first time this season and you could feel it you could feel that you could literally feel fans hatred you could think oh it was just a really you could just 
intense. It was such a, an atmosphere you could feel. I haven't felt the atmosphere like that in a long while, but you could feel it. Like people were burning inside, and and that's you could see that coming out on social media afterwards. You've seen people saying things maybe they shouldn't have said, and you know comments being made about refs and, and everything else, and and that happens, and you know and and you know fans got heated and yeah i'm not surprised but um your question was about you know whether or not um i think it's a fact it's going backwards and i think the fact that like the calls are being made there's these calls maybe some linesman stepped up into ref ref you know ref in this year i don't know what thing i don't know what it is but this year has just been uh, constantly just this thing of, of refs being abused refs taking the brunt because just interesting calls this year and some some calls like i'm not saying i'm i'm I'm, we've always said we're no way near experts at all we have never said we are we but but i would like to say that as a as a as a casual viewer someone who goes to the to to the giants pretty much week in week out and has been going there for the last what 15 years maybe 15 was a big right but right i i'd like to think that i've kind of gained a good understanding and a good knowledge of refing and the systems and, and and the league and the sport. I like to think that I kind of understand when a call's been made. And I think, you know, we're, we're, I'm not saying we're pretty good at it, but like, you know, we, we were, you know, if we can, you know, we'll have people sitting around us who'll go, what just happened? And they'll turn around to you and they'll say, what, what just happened? And you're able to kind of explain something to someone else. And we do have that general knowledge because we've kind of built up on it. But there's been times this past couple of weeks, especially this past weekend, where I just, I literally sat back and just went, what? Yeah. What? And yeah, it's just Dave. Dave, uh, come to you. Do you. Remember when we were told the four-man system would get rid of all this? <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was dire. Now, and obviously, as a Giants fan, I'll see uh, you know the the calls going against the Giants, the ones that are missed and all that jazz. But even calls that should have been caught from Giants' place were missed. They they were. And it wasn't in the... There's a difference between letting a soft call go to let the game flow and letting just missing calls. Um, there was there's, there was things all over the ice. The two, Marty mentioned the two um, goals that were called off. Um, one of them, yes, I think it might have been within bounds of it being called off, but the other one was just overzealousness and they were blowing the whistle for a dead puck and it was far too early. Um, the the referees and linesmen's positional awareness over this weekend was it was absolutely awful. They were getting into the play. Um, they multiple occasions were um, stepping into the path of a pass and blocking the the puck. Um, one of the linesmen, um, instead of stepping out of the play while I think it was Goodwin was coming down the wing on Saturday, stepped into the play um, and checked them on the basically checked them on the blue line. Um, and if that you know, that was a blindside hit. You know, that was that was dangerous, you know. And there was no stoppage in play. There was no um, there was no re-face off or anything. It was just, you know, sorry. They've now got possession. Suck it up, sort of thing. Um, yeah. Where, you know, we all watch an awful lot of hockey. We've watched hockey all over the world. Um, and normally, if a ref interferes with play, it's done the same as if it goes out of bounds. Um, it's a dead puck go to go to face off because they have interfered in the play. That happened so many times, and there wasn't even a uh, a bat of an eyelid. They just continue play, and that happened against the Giants and for the Giants. You know, so that was it wasn't just the you know Manchester 
got got away with um you know whenever the the giants were on the break you know and vice versa they got impeded um while they were on the break you know and um it's it's not uh, it, it ruins the game it ruins the flow for the fans is the big thing um and then the other side it causes frustration and then it can cause people getting injuries you know the the reason um was it saturday night that the doctor had to see the player yeah uh, the, the uh, storm player 100 percent that was due to um the game getting out of control um, now it was a, it was an okay it was an okay hit I think it was legitimate hit, but it was the it was harder than it needed to be. It really followed through a lot more than he needed to. The Giants were trying to make a point. I'm not saying he did it on purpose to hurt him, but he was trying to make a big highlight reel hit to try and get energy in the game. All because the the refs had sort of lost control, and the players were having to take it into their own hands. Um, we've seen that on Sunday. Uh, it was at Conway after his uh, boarding. He was boarded um, and got back up and smacked the guy. Rightfully so. But if the ref had been doing his job all night, that wouldn't happen. So he would have got boarded and then the guy would have went off. You know, yep. And that was obviously, Conway got up thinking, well, the refs aren't calling anything. We're going, I'm going to have to take care of this. You know, it's, um, yeah. And it, it ruins the game. You know, I started off as a fan loving the physical, I love the physicality in the sport, but I still love the fights and all. See now, uh, that's the last thing I want to say. It takes the speed out of the game. It takes the athleticism out of the game. And when the refs do a bad job, that's what happens. People end up uh, drops the speed, the tempo drops. People don't really care about uh, you know pulling their punches, and it all just goes to pot. Yep. Um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that um, carries on through the rest yeah. of the season. Um, I put, I put because we now have in. a number. You know, we, well, we you say that, but we have a number of players and coaching staff now who are now classified as repeat offenders mm. um, when it comes to abusive officials. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if we see the same names coming up again, uh, we could be looking at, uh, at time off the ice or off the bench for certain individuals. It's something we did see, actually, um, at the weekends. Um, you could tell Kiefer was annoyed, but he yep. was a lot more subdued than he normally is. Um, and that you could just see it in his face. He was just, you know, the, that there sort of pent-up aggression. Um, but he, he had to stand there and take it. And, it, you know, did the, did the players... Uh, feel up, you know, feed off that that he's having the bottle, you know, keep it inside, not get uh, emotional. You know, if he was more emotional, would the game have been a bit more emotional? Would it maybe have went a bit more in our favour? Maybe. God knows, God knows. But anyway, so so box away. Yep, right. We'll leave that one there. I'm sure we'll talk about officials. Uh, we do tend to talk about officials about half a dozen times every season. Um, guys, I've got one more in the penalty box, and this is an interesting one. Uh, GB under 20s are currently in Lithuania. Uh, flew out a couple of days ago uh, to take part in the under 20 World Championship Division 2 Group E tournament, which gets underway on Sunday. Uh, interestingly, Ice Hockey UK had to put out a statement. Um, this week or today actually this morning that forward Alex Graham is to leave the GB under 20 squad in Lithuania because of a breach of team discipline he will be returning immediately to the UK Um, now guys I'm not going to engage in any speculation with this because I have seen a couple of things online Um, what I have seen is it seems to be something to do with the travel to the um, tournament Uh, and something that potentially happened uh, on their plane. But until something's said, 
Uh, given the fact that this is someone in the under-20 squad, I think uh, we would be uh, a little jumping the gun a little bit to uh, to start looking at online uh, rumours, essentially, about what's, what's happened here. But it's interesting. Um, I think what's most interesting is the fact that uh, Ice Hockey UK and Team GB have made the point of making this statement. Uh, and I think potentially it's been done to send a message uh, that discipline is an important part of the junior game uh, especially maybe more so than it is in the senior game uh, discipline and being a role model is a, important at any level of sport um, but the fact that this is the the under 20 squad uh, these are teenagers um, it's I think very important that they've made this statement and we'll uh, without probably wanting to launch into a conversation about this guys I think we'll probably wait and see uh, what comes from this if anything uh, later down the line but it was interesting that uh, the tournament's going to start on Sunday but they're going to be without one of their top forwards uh, and with that Marty I'm going to pass back to you because that's the end of the penalty box great um, okay yeah um, I've nothing else to add I was going to add something to that story but I think you're right I think we'll just leave it where it is and, and we won't go into any more the thing I was going to mention was just that I felt there was a piece came out after this from the obviously he's a Sheffield um you know, he's a Sheffield player, and a piece came out um, on a on a on a Sheffield newspaper. Um, come, everybody knows that newspaper and the news of the um, the person I'm talking about who, uh, we know who the writer. writes for that paper. We know the writer. High and quality just, journalism. There. It was just a piece for the sake of having a piece, and it was just like, what is the point? Like, where? Like, what are you? Like, why? Like, why did you feel that this was? Th uh, anyway. Anyway, we will move on. Um, okay, guys, then what we'll do then is we'll finish off our period one and we'll move swiftly on to our period two of hockey. Hello and welcome to period two of hockey, where we'll talk about um, hockey from all around the world, uh, except for the United Kingdom. Um, as usual, I've been um, a absent from the planning of this one because I am that sort of person these days. Um, but I will fire it over to John to start with because I know Marty's got a couple of follow-ups on an existing story that we've been, uh, a certain team we've been following for a while now. But I'll send it over to yeah. John first. Okay, uh, this was just a, a fun, to be honest, this could have gone period two or it could have gone period three. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this um, over the weekend just past there. Uh, Jordan Bennington of the St. Louis Blues had himself a game. Um, so, play playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, and initially, uh, at the start of the game, things weren't going too well. Um, they, the Penguins were already 3-1 up, and Bennington looks to have taken a, a swing at Jason Zucker straight in the face as the play goes behind his net, um, and yeah, looks to have tried to block the play, but has used his, his glove uh, in a way that's contacted Jason Zucker in the face. So that was bad enough. Um, he was already going to end up on the highlight reel as it was. Unfortunately, another goal snuck past uh, Jordan and uh, he ended up being pulled uh, from the game and replaced in nets. This led to um, Jordan skating past the, the Penguins bench on his way to the locker room uh, where he decided to engage with the Penguins bench uh, with, in verbals uh, and in particular with, uh, with Zucker who really ended this entire debacle on the upper hand because Jordan looks like he has been absolutely rattled um, 
Now, the main reason I bring this up is here at door 14, we love a rattled goalie. Like, we absolutely <laughs> love a rattled goalie. But that said, that's not where it ends because the St. Louis Blues backup netminder, when he skated out to replace Jordan Binnington, <laughs> fell on his way, fell into the goal, and knocked it off the pegs as well. This was a bad day to be a St. Louis Blues netminder. Have you guys had a chance to look at these videos? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say the uh, the initial hit that we that you, we that you were talking about. Obviously, the um, Benetton hitting Jason Sucker in the face. I mean, like, uh, yeah, he, he catches him with his with the with the uh, is it the glove or the blocker? I'm not sure. I think it's the blocker. Yeah, it's the glove. It's the glove. It's the glove. Is it the glove? No, because the blocker um, holds a stick. Blocker holds a stick. I wasn't, so he's got I, I wasn't glove sure. Up. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. sure. So anyway, um, so he hits him in the face, but <laughs> sucker goes down like he's been hit by a cannonball. Like I mean, if you watch the slow mo replay of it, he's just like, ooh. <laughs> like, like have you like, have you felt the leather on the back of those gloves? No, I haven't. But I'm just saying that's what it looks like. He's been hit if, by a cannonball. If you're doing, if you're doing thirty. <laughs> If you're doing 30 mile an hour on a pair of skates and somebody actually, puts a actually, rock hard piece of leather on. in your face, you're going to go down too. Hang on. Hang on. To be fair, you said that like you felt it, but you, you, you haven't experienced that either. So you don't know. It was I haven't gone head first into it, but I have I have felt a glove because Dave let me borrow his once. This sounds like a different podcast now. <laughs> Definitely doesn't feel like a wet shall we? Boom, boom. Does <laughs> <laughs> when you're finished yeah. with it. <laughs> I know I, that's one player I miss um, in the Minnesota Wild I, lo- I loved uh, Zucker he was um, that just pure wind up merchant um, all over the ice um, and, and could put up the points um, but he will have taken great pl- pride in winding Billington up all night after that you see his face whenever Bennington skates past the, the, the Pens bench like he clearly has chirped Bennington on the way past, but he just sits there and just does this whole meh. See you later, Jordan. Enjoy the enjoy the showers. At least you're getting some hot water. Um, but to to, to top it off with their backup Fall ending up inside his own goal, I mean that's that's just a bad thirty seconds to be uh, a Blues fan or to be even be a Blues player. If you're if you're one of the the guys uh, out on the ice when that happens, I mean, how do you not just put your head in your hands? And go, uh, great, I can't wait for this game to be over. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So yeah, that's me. Marty, I'm going to pass over to you. Yeah, I'm going to, I've am gonna. i got a couple of stories. Um, as Dave says, one of them um, is going to be just a kind of like a, an update on piece we have been speaking about um, in the last few weeks. But I'm going to start first off just because we were talking obviously about the Pittsburgh Penguins there in our, in our last piece, John. So I'm going to stick with that one. Um, the story, obviously, this came out this week from the Pittsburgh Penguins is that of um, Chris Letang, 35-year-old defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Chris is currently now out indefinitely for the Pittsburgh Penguins after suffering a stroke at the age of 35. <clears throat> um what the lasting effects are of the stroke um, hasn't 100% been, you know, they don't know yet. Um, but there's a number of tests still to come over the next coming weeks. Uh, but the general manager, Ron Hextill, has said that the condition is not believed at this time to be career threatening. However, there will be some time needed in order to reha- rehab and obviously get back to full playing strength. Um, we don't know, as I say, to this point, 
what the lingering effects are of from from the stroke and what that means um obviously we it was discussed after, after practice on this past monday Latang was experiencing a migraine and called head athletics trainer chris stewart um and they were rushed to the hospital immediately as there were signs and symptoms of potential stroke at that time um quite a young young man um you know to have a stroke at that age um you know serious at any age but obviously at such a young age to have an experience of a stroke um is is massive um i mean what's more interesting is this isn't his first no and i was going to say that actually this is actually his second um time he while he's playing for the los angeles kings um in 2014 he had had a stroke in 2014 and the test did reveal he was born with a small hole in the heart um which is actually quite it's it's a common trait between signs of hole in the heart and actually migraines but also there's signs of hole in the heart and also leading to things like um obviously blood pressure and pressure in general um so therefore it can result in things like stroke um but um where the long-term res- results are going to be for him we still don't know yet but hopefully we'll see him on the mend and he'll be back playing for them um as soon as possible we just uh, obviously are sending out our, our best wishes to him and hopefully he mends quickly here, here. Um, next story. I'm gonna switch back to a story that we've been talking about um over the last number of podcasts, and I just wanted to bring it up because in our last podcast, me, um, Dave, me, you, and Aaron, how we're talking about this, and we kind of jokingly were talking about the fact that um this is back to obviously the coyote um the Arizona um Arizona coyotes. Uh, we we know at this point where we are with. The relation to their the current woes and current um home setup in relation to the mullet arena uh we talked about we are we joked we jokingly were talking about um at the end of that piece last time around what would it take for the what 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 is it going to take for for the for the nhl to recognize and notice that you know it's just it's they're they're an organization who are trying to play with the big guns but in a very small arena and they're not meeting the standards that the rest of the nhl teams are meeting in terms of you know quality of um surroundings their arena the 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 sheer number of people who can attend the games so we talked about all of that but um they we obviously knew that and i think this is one of the questions that aaron had asked was about obviously the new arena and what was going to be happening with the new arena and we had talked about the fact and i think dave you had mentioned this yourself we had talked about the fact that it still hadn't got through the proposals, still hadn't got through planning, um, and there was still a number of obstacles in its place. Um, well, this past week, um, they have things have moved on slightly. Uh, the Tempe City Council have approved the Coyotes' um, plan for the the entertainment district, as they're calling it, um, and the support. Now that they've been given support, it will go ahead to a, a referendum vote with the public on May sixteenth, twenty twenty three. So later in the uh, middle of next year, the Coyotes are looking to build a. 16-seat arena entertainment district uh, which would also include a casino because it's owned, because the team is owned by casino owners from uh, Vegas um, as well as a number of um, apartment blocks and uh, entertainment venues um, around it. The What was interesting on this as well is that in order to get the backing for this in order to kind of push it forward there was one big objector um, there's two objectors primarily to stop from stopping this going through but one of the biggest objectors who had a bit of a change of heart all of a sudden um and it, it was kind of like the way that the way the piece was written it was kind of like where did this change come from and it was it was just so interesting that it coincided with the same day as Ansel's, you know special election call um and this is the the phoenix sky harbor international airport um they had been opposing this uh, development for 
for forever for ages because the one of the big things they were talking about is that a an old ordnance survey which from about 1994 there was an agreement with uh, the airport and also the the city of tempe um that would basically say that there was no houses would be built close to the airport because of noise pollution and because of um, i suppose kind of uh, i suppose obstructions of runways and i think there was a bit of concerns around that and sky harbor have been pushing back um around that and have been quite relentless on it but something has changed in the last you know especially in the last two to three weeks which has meant that the, the, the airport has changed its decision and actually are backing this uh, entertainment venue to go ahead but what i also felt was interesting was we we joked around about um you know obviously the nhl leadership and about um you know what is it that the the arizona coyotes have on gary bettman that Gary Bettman has just been completely obsessed with Arizona and have been just like you know can't do anything wrong but actually this week as well as part of this this, this deal and, and part of this this whole thing that went forward the NHL commissioner Gary Bateman spoke in favour of the arena deal but also had mentioned that to kind of sweeten the pot a bit more uh, he said that the if the project does go forward the NHL is committed to doing an NHL or an NHL all-star game at that arena as well as one of the major drafts as well um, so it's quite an interesting one um, but we will know. I suppose we won't know now. So to answer the story from our answer, Aaron's question, and hopefully he's listening to this, and this will kind of um, give him a bit more information. But we will know definitely for sure if they will be able to break ground on this new arena come May time. So um, it will be another few months to wait before we can get a fully fully finished decision on what's going to happen with that. The other thing I should mention as well is Guy Bateman did say um, in the statement as well that there was a commitment to a 30-year deal in which the Arizona, the Arizona Coyotes would not be shifted from Arizona, that they would remain in place in Arizona for at least the next 30 years. So given a bit so of an thing there. That's specifically a deal between the current owners and the city of Tempe. Um, that um, if the plan and approval is given, that the ownership give the commitment that they will not yep. move the franchise, relocate the franchise for at least 30 years and they'll remain at this new uh, arena, which even to me, it's only 16,000 seater. It's it's not yeah, huge either. Say, not like... It's only a 16,000-seat arena, and it's tied up with so much business and residential and two hotels and a casino. So it's this this planning thing is not just about... And I get it, it's business. It's not just about the arena. It's about everything else that the owner wants out of this use of public land. Um, and look, if you they're talking about this being a $2.1 billion project um, with... One of my f- the funniest parts of the entire piece that I saw there was that they're going to have to remove m- thousands of tons of trash because this is an old municipal dump. So they're actually yep. going to get rid of garbage to put new garbage in. Yeah. <laughs> we all know how well it goes when they talk about building on uh, landfill sites for the, the was it Giants Park? They've been trying to build on it for the last like, the like 10 years and they can't do anything because of the methane. I'm much doing a bit. They'll start breaking around. They'll be like, mm, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that park, that oh. Jan's park is sitting there. It's de- It's been developed and it's sitting landscaped and it's it's yeah, got, uh, obviously, it's got, it's got, it's got a film studio on it. It's got, it's got a film studio, but that's that's it. It was all these big plans for like Ferris wheels and, and everything else and that never went anywhere. Uh, anyway. Random segue. <laughs> Ferris wheels. Ferris like wheels? The... Are you from the 1870s or something? Ferris wheels. What are, why what are they called? I don't know, but I mean, who's putting <laughs> in a planning application for a Ferris wheel? What, are they, what, what else are they called? 
It's just your your Ferris wheel. Because that's what they're called. Anyway, um, moving on to my last story for this period. And this again kind of goes back to um, last week's episode as well, or last episode as well, in which we talked about the the Cardiff Devils um, taking part in the Continental Cup, um, and we were talking kind of at that point about the Continental Cup versus CHL and about the the, the experience and about the the quality of the games between the Continental Cup and the CHL. Um, and actually, something that was pointed out, and I just want to I want to highlight that um, regular contributor Mark had pointed this out and, and led <laughs> me to this article. So I want to thank you I want to thank him because on the podcast like. At the start of November, at the start of November, obviously, um, this was a, 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 a story that was put out by the CHL or information that was put out by the HL, which passed completely passed us by as well. We uh, hands up, we didn't see it. Like we, it was something that didn't, we didn't even it didn't even come across our screens, which is unusual because we, we would normally see something like this, especially with a big story when, uh, um, like this kind of um, to this level. Um, so we are talking about the CHL. We talked about last season or last episode about you know the CHL and whether or not it was currently you know more competitive, the more competitive league or, or or what we kind of thought and i think there's been a bit of an argument around that it's not as competitive as what they were hoping for it's not as enticing as what they were hoping for and i feel that they don't think it was as balanced and as attractive as what it should have been when it was first initially decided on um and up until this year the chl had kind of been to a point where they were kind of like bringing in and allowing more space for for player for teams that were um and we had others that we had ourselves teams that maybe are slightly maybe just aren't up to the same level of quality as some of the top top teams within like the likes of the the, the Dell and the you know Italian leagues and 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 the the likes of the the Swedish leagues and stuff and actually the general assembly for um the CHL met at the start of November and had made a decision that the structure of the CHL will be changing as of 2023-2024 season um and as of next season it will be featuring 24 participating teams and it will adopt a new structure um in which they say will allow for a more balanced attractive and entertaining competition so kind of what does that mean well the shareholders for the champions hockey league is made up by um a number of um i suppose a number of leagues right across um europe um but these are big these are the these are the bigger more well-known leagues that are um maybe not as they're, the share, they're called shareholder leagues yeah so this is the swedish hockey league the shl the national league the um dutch um so the dell uh, the dutch ice hockey league the finnish hockey league uh which is la liga the czech league uh, as well as um ice hockey league as well uh, which is ice which there's yeah, which is great. Uh, and then there'll be five wildcard teams allowed in from a challenger leagues. Um, so which challenger leagues they are, we don't know yet. Um, it may mean that the elite league is actually not going to get any places next year for this. Usually the Continental Cup winner as well would usually get a place as well as part of that as part of the... Um, the wildcard spots as well. That's not a guarantee either that the Continental Cup may not also, may also not get anything, a space within the CHL coming up next year. Um, and the biggest revamp of the whole thing is that it's um, reduction of total teams, reductions in teams for them for different leagues. Um, so we'll only have four or five teams, which previously three teams per um, year. Um, and now there's only going to be five wild cards, which was compared to the eight this season. Um, so the UK may miss out that altogether. They're trying to turn it into more of a league structure rather than a playoff kind of knockout cup as it currently is. So currently we are used to the run up being that they would play, you know, 
home game one game home and away um you play three different teams um as part of that group structure um now instead what they want to do is they want to create more like a, a league fixture or league time where teams will play six different opponents in the regular season instead of only three uh and then the teams that sit top will be ranked one to 24 and then it'll be based on the best 16 teams then out of that will f- move into the playoff round or the playoff format which uh, which remains unchanged so it'll be a knockout from that point forward um guys i guess i just wanted to kind of get your thought well not me that wants to get your thoughts um I suppose the question that Mark wanted to put forward and I kind of asked this, um, obviously I'm, I'm not going to steal his question. I'm going to put it out to you guys. Um, you know, John, I mean, the question that's posed to you is what's your, t- what's your think about the, this new structure, including that, that the fact that it's like one big league now instead of, instead of the groups. Um, do you know what? I absolutely love that format. Um, it's, it's been called the champions hockey league for a number of seasons now, but it was essentially a knockout tournament. Um, and yes, they're now saying that there's a regular season, then uh, a knockout stage, a, a postseason, if you like. Playoff, yeah. um, playoffs is what they're calling it. Um, so I, I love this. The one thing I absolutely love about it is that yes, you're playing addition, extra games. That's that's great. Um, if you're in probably one of the shareholder leagues, that might actually draw bigger crowds to that stage because uh, when it's the um, sort of three home and away games I think home home attendance at those games tends to suffer quite badly um, but the fact that you're going to have games against different opponents every time that means if you play your first couple of games away and you absolutely hammer the opposition it doesn't really matter because when you come home you're not playing those same teams um, and you're expected to hammer them at home. So actually, it could be a, it's it's an an unknown quantity is the team that comes to play at your arena, and that might draw more fans in uh, because they they don't know what to expect from that opposition. Obviously, other than their form elsewhere within the league, um, it is disappointing. Um, and I'll be honest, it is disappointing to see that the elite league may not be automatically part of this anymore. But we have always said that the the tournament, the European tournament that means something to the Elite League is the Continental Cup. It is an achievable cup. Um, now, we've seen the Giants go into the CHL this year. And honestly, I don't know what we got from that experience. Yes, they got a couple of um, really nice away trips. They went and played in a couple of really nice arenas uh, across Europe. But we were we were humbled let's be perfectly honest um we did what is expected of an elite league team in the chl um, one thing we have seen though is um a an, an improvement in the sense of if you look at elite league performances against te- the same teams yeah the you know there has been an improvement even with the games the giants lost they didn't lose them by ten, which is what the Cardiff Devils did in uh, in Burn, not Burn. Um, is it Burn? Yeah. The, the Switzerland, the Switzerland we were playing against. Um, the you know the fact that the, the there's been a gradual improvement. How much of that's to do with the CHL? Probably not much. Um, it's probably just to do with the general improvement in the league. Um, but I do think it's a, a tournament we would would make more sense to be involved in because if the we want the elite league to improve um what we don't want is the elite league to stagnate um so you want this challenge 
But is is the elite league set up in a way that it's going to develop to the point that we can compete with the likes of Dell and Liga teams? Because the investment level isn't there. The ground up look at development of players isn't there. Um, yeah, but the, the, as soon as you say you're not. As soon as you say that's you, you can you can you say you never the league will never get there, then it definitely won't get there. Well, I mean the the elite league has never put itself in a position and has actively actually said we're not a development league. We're not involved in bringing no, up no, young British a, talent. But the Dell the Dell one is not a development league. No, it's not. But it has the connections through Dell Two, through it's not the grassroots same. hockey that the, the, the elite league just doesn't have. Now nobody, again, the, I, 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 the I'm Dell doesn't. Hairs. The Dell, the Dell, the those big leagues, those big top leagues, those big professional top leagues are, are separated from their governing bodies um, because their sporting bodies are all organised um, separately. The it's not the fact that the they need to be a development league is that they need to. Um, aim to develop their league there's a difference there they need and to aim I to would... develop their league and, and sorry Marty just Go one ahead. one point is we've already spoken about it one of the key things that you need to improve your league and improve the performance is your officiating 100% we haven't got that yeah, 100%. We're, we're not getting that we haven't had that for years and if that's not going to be invested in that is the building block let alone having arenas having facilities having owners that are going to put money in if we don't have the level of officiating that 100%. lets players play the game properly we cannot compete on a level with these okay. leagues um, before we move on from this story uh, and we'll move on now in a minute but uh, I just want to play devil's advocate for one minute John and just come back to the comment you made about the development part of, of the Elite League and I think it's actually really disappointing that you, you don't see that there's a development aspect of this league because I think over the last <clears throat> especially this year and maybe last year as well I, th I feel like the league in general has tried its best to start looking outward towards the development we see a real investment being put in right now into british ice hockey we see a development being put into funding for british ice hockey we see a, a there's a break in, in play this season to allow for development within british ice hockey and the giants maybe not as much as some of the other teams but we, we see the likes of the fifes we see the likes of the sheffields we see the likes of nottingham's reaching out and and, and linking in with their teams and we hear it from we, we've heard it from steve thornton we've heard it from steve thornton here in the belfast giants who has always said that they want to start developing that grassroots stage we see young players like Kyle Beatty we see players like um, Max Stewart who are all come, starting to come through maybe aren't getting regular minutes here and there in the Elite League but you're, you're, they're supporting them to have two-way contracts they're supporting them to get the experience okay. both in the okay. lower leagues in you're, this league you're right you're right but that's the teams it's not the league no but I, it's I the feel ten, like it's the ten, 10 partner teams and it's not all of them it's the teams who are doing that. If you ask the league board as a whole, and they've said it before, Todd Kelman has said it before, the Elite League is not a development league. It is a competitive league at the top end of hockey, and that's what they're interested in. They're interested in their product, and they're interested in their bottom line. What teams choose to do, so you've got the Panthers who are deeply involved with the lower leagues. The Sheffield Steelers are deeply involved with the lower leagues. Um, this season... Belfast Giants don't have an SNL team. Yeah, because they couldn't get the funding for it. No, and I and, and yeah, I see. I, I get what you mean. So, this this is what I mean. It's been left up to the teams to do it because 
the the body over the teams, which is the elite league, as a business and down to certain individuals, don't see it having a role in developing British talent. Okay, and that's a fair that's a fair comment to make. As you say, maybe it is just the fact that the teams then have decided against go against the the, the grain of what the elite league are saying. And maybe yeah, you're right. Like maybe, the, maybe 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 uh, money making. Maybe you're right. Maybe money making. Tony Smith came out and said at one point, I think, as you say, that it's not a development league. And and you're right. And I think that was back maybe about two years ago, when fans were up in fury about the fact that they weren't wanting to change the import sizes and that only five yeah. Brits were the thing. But you you made the point there, and. <laughs> It's the elite league is not interested in a second ice pad in Belfast. Steve Thornton, the Odyssey Trust, and the Belfast Giants are, and that's why they're doing the work on it. That's that's what that is. It, it's nothing to do with the elite league, and it will never have the elite league badge on it. It's down to the ten individual teams to look at how they develop local talent. Yeah. Wow. Look at us getting heated over something. It's, it's good to see. Um, well, it it all ends up with the same issue, though, that the fact that the um, we don't have a proper uh, governing body for ice hockey um, across the entire of the UK um, is that that's where the fundamental failure is. Is that there's not there's not a single uh, you know, place you can go, even and even just the if you wanted to look into setting up an ice hockey team for like a junior ice hockey team, it's a bloody red tape nightmare. Um, and it's because there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to talk to. Yep. 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 So, Mark, to answer <clears throat> to answer your question, Mark. Um, yeah, CHL's doing that thing, and then we got into a whole other argument. So, cheers <laughs> for that, mate. <laughs> awesome. Well, so we'll end on that spicy note, and uh, we'll head on to period three then. Welcome to period three, our general Nucky News. Nucky News. Nucky News is where we talk about anything and everything else in the world of hockey that doesn't fit neatly into periods one or two, or generally these days where we think period one or period two are getting a bit too full, so we move stuff <laughs> into period three. Um, guys, before we go anywhere, let's do an update. So, Challenge Cup um, games. <laughs> Dundee against Fife. Remember at the start of the uh, podcast when I said that these games are completely pointless and don't mean anything because there's a second round? Yeah, that game ended 4-4. It might as well be 0-0. <laughs> well, well done, everyone, on a completely pointless 60 minutes of hockey. Um, meanwhile, um, in Sheffield, it is uh, close to the, the death in the third period, and we have the Sheffield Steelers 5-1 up against Cardiff. Well, that's an interesting one. Who, who, who's in that? Uh, it's there for the Cardiff Devils. It was Bounds on the game sheet, and then I saw before face off, before face off, they oh. switched out for Cozen. So oh, okay. Cozen okay, okay, was okay. in nets. I haven't looked. I don't know if they've switched out, uh, and if they switched out after three and Bounds letting another couple or whatever, I'll have a look at it after. But uh, yeah, currently 5 1. So that's a, a big second leg uh, coming up for the Cardiff Devils, who could once again be out of uh, a statement final in their own barn. Oh, is it still there? Is it? Okay. No, as far it's as not. I know it's, it's no, isn't it? I think no. They've changed it to it's now moved back to the way they started last year, where whoever is it back top, to the top seed, top seed, top seed team will get um, home. Yeah. Honestly, it's Challenge Cup. I don't care. Um, unless we win it, of course. Then if it's the most it, important like trophy. It, yeah. If we win it, it's the most important trophy in British hockey. Um, right. 
Period three, knocky news. Let's uh, let's see what's actually in here. Um, Marty, you threw something on um, into this running order that uh, I hadn't put on it. It uh, it affects my own Nashville Predators. I, d- I don't know if you want to talk through this because honestly, my my PTSD is is still kicking in over this. Yeah, so about two weeks ago now, but um, I think they've been feeling the effects of it right up until this week. Um, Smashville turned into Splashville. Um, uh, and the fact that a nearby water mains uh, broke around Bridgestone Arena and water was literally flooding and gushing from the arena and I mean there's videos out there and John you sent us a video of the side entrance to the arena and there was literally water seeping out through every orifice of the arena it was literally pouring out uh like it was coming out like waterfall um but the it, it it didn't supposedly um they they got the contractors to go in just at the end of last week um and the thought and they thought oh god this is going to be a massive operation cleanup to try and get the things back to normal and then get it surface ready and everything else and actually they said that actually they were lucky enough in that the ground levels weren't as destroyed as what they were initially thought it was going to be now it has been about a week or so it took them over a good over a week and a half i think to kind of solve all the issues and get the the arena back up and running and getting it ready to um to, to bring the fans back and it has postponed two games which have now been re- have been has now been rescheduled um <clears throat> but i i just wanted to throw it in because the the videos and the footage of the water coming out like literally it was unbelievable uh, i have never seen anything yeah. like it i've seen some chat online that um the Pred's locker room may have been really badly affected. Now, there hasn't been any footage has come out really other than the public concourse level. Um, so what the first statement had said was that the ground and uh, ground story and playing surface in particular were massively impacted with anything from three to five inches of water up to three feet of water in some places uh, in the arena. So obviously the areas that um, lie below street level uh, were flooded. Now, what seems to have meant that they they can look at getting games started again is the fact that the electrical systems were never affected. Um, the heating systems were never affected uh, and the ice plant system was never affected, thankfully. Um, those are the three main components. Um, but from what I'm hearing, it could be months, if not into next season, before everything is put back to the way that it was previously uh, because it probably will involve some uh, fairly serious work, let alone the work that they're probably going to have to do to do a final permanent fix to the water main which effectively the water main is one that was running into the arena and it happened to burst right underneath one of the main walls of the arena so it actually was pouring water into the arena and also out onto the street uh, onto the main road outside the arena so that's kind of why it all went a bit mad but yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking to watch uh, at the time, uh, but hopefully, I still haven't managed to get to Bridgestone myself, but hopefully it'll all be nice and freshly painted by the time I go uh, in the next few years or so. Um, 
Marty, I'm going to stick with you actually for this one because uh, I, I quite like this story and it's uh, got importance because this last weekend we saw quite a number of teams in the Elite League did their annual Terry Toss for um, <coughs> charity where um, usually it's the first home goal. I believe in Nottingham they didn't have enough faith in their team this year and in the first period break they did their Terry Toss in the period break. Um, so a team... Uh, Elsewhere in British Columbia has done something a bit different. Yeah. Um, so you, you, um, as you as you said, John, the uh, this 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 is the start of the Teddy Bear Toss season, um, Christmas time, and this festive period um, results in a lot of the teams um, doing doing Teddy Bear Tosses in the arena um, as a charity kind of movement for for kids, hospitals, and charities of that kind of that type. Um, our own Belfast Giants this past weekend um, collected thousands of teddies. I think it was nearly 2,000 teddies I think it was all together um, which will be donated over the course of the next coming weeks to um, different um, charities but also to the, the likes of the Royal Victoria Hospital Belfast Children's um, <clears throat> the children's hasp- children's part um, and we had seen this weekend as well that the, the Calgary Hitmen um, held a very successful teddy bear toss in which they uh, collected over 20,000 teddy bears for a similar uh, similar charity and a similar um, a similar, similar similar good causes um, but Yes, there is. This is one that caught my attention, and I thought this was actually quite interesting. And I'd love to see something like this maybe take take effect, or maybe see others maybe trying to do something quite similar to this. So instead of a teddy bear toss, two British Columbia hockey teams have asked fans uh, to throw in warmth items for the homeless. So they're calling it Warmth Night. Um, so it was the first time they've ever held these, um, and it was two junior hockey leagues, um, two junior hockey teams uh, within British Columbia. Uh, and instead of throw, uh, tossing teddy bears, two Langley hockey teams were asking fans then to throw in things like socks, gloves, blankets, that sort of thing. Anything that will keep someone warm on a cold night. Um, and the idea then would be that the items that were collected um, would then be um, provided and given to homeless charities. Um, and at the same time, then food collections were done around the arena in the lobby um, and clothing then, any any other clothing could be then uh, passed on to, as well. Anything that was maybe more perishable in terms of or anything that was more, more delicate could pass to the staff um, in the arena as well to be collected um, as part of this night for, for homeless charities um i thought it was a great idea i thought it was very different compared to what we normally see um the, the a lot of the non-profit homeless charities then were able to then uh, receive of this the food and the the clothing that was collected on these nights and i would just love to see if there's something or any other um local teams maybe that would think about taking up uh, something similar um but yeah i thought it was a, just an interesting take on the on the teddy bear toss and i could definitely see you know we we've seen um Obviously, I'm not saying Teddy Bear Toss isn't a a, a, a great, um, you know, initiative, because it is. We've obviously seen the impact it has. But we've seen our own Belfast Giants and we've seen other teams around the league who we know at the moment, you know, with obviously with the, the current economic crisis and stuff, there was a, you know, it was um a, a toy collection as well this past weekend in the arena so people bringing along toys as well for cash for kids and that sort of thing. Um, but we've seen um, our... Um, you know, other other times throughout the year of the Belfast Giants as well. We've seen players last year who were spokespeople for uh, homeless charities like the Welcome Organization and a couple of others. So maybe something like this on a night would be could be something else additional to the, the teddy bear toss. They could think about a warmth night where people bring along stuff to throw onto the ice and it could be something on top of the teddy bear toss. So I think it'd be maybe something to, to think of. So if you're listening to the podcast or anybody who's linked to the team who's maybe got more say than us, is it something that the, that could be put forward as a, as a suggestion to the team? I think it's a brilliant idea, Marty. I think it's something that would really help um, an awful lot of people, especially at the minute when you think of 
how many people are, are not only homeless, but are also in uh, fuel poverty and can't uh, afford to heat their homes. Um, and it is better at the minute. Um, uh, and I think that, yeah, it would be something that would be so, so beneficial for an awful lot of people. Yep, here, here. Um, absolutely. So we'll, we'll throw the, the links up on our website um, for this event that was uh, done in Canada. And yeah, if anyone's listening who's got a bit of, uh, bit of sway anywhere, it doesn't need to be in Belfast, it could be at uh, any level, uh, Elite League, NIHL. We'll be listening. Small be listening. Yep. Um, <laughs> Small, come on, you're a head coach now. Get it done. <laughs> but he's that local. Um, <laughs> we want something local. Um, but no, genuinely, if, genuinely, if there's anybody out there who who does have any power, or any say, or has any kind of sway within the t- within a, a elite league team or within the elite league itself, and and they're, they're listening in, you know, if if it's something that could be um, thing, give us give us a shout. Um, yeah. We'd, n- yeah, we'd never definitely. ask for anything. It's the only thing we've asked for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like like Mark says, we're we're more than happy to uh, try and organise it as well, uh, and try and sort of push that forward. But if it's something that a, a team would be willing to do, uh, drop us a line, uh, and we'll we'll get involved as well. Um, guys, from one uh, charitable event to another, um, and yet again, we're going to give props to uh, the the team in Glasgow, or at least in uh, Renfrewshire. There, um, the the clan. Uh, obviously we know with the events going on in Ukraine uh, thousands of people have been displaced uh, out of uh, Ukraine because of the illegal war uh, being perpetrated by Russia Um, women and children and families have been placed into temporary accommodation throughout Europe uh, and throughout the world Uh, and in Glasgow uh, a lot of um, families are placed uh, supposedly temporarily at the moment uh, on a cruise ship which is currently docked on the Clyde. Uh, Two of the residents uh, are some young boys, uh, Serhii Timoshenko, age 14, and Danielo Tetiana, age 9, who are from Ukraine, were invited along uh, because they are hockey players who um, take part in youth hockey back home. and were invited to come along to the Brayhead Arena and skate with the team. And this is absolutely fantastic to see. They got kitted out, um, they got all their gear provided, and for the first time in months, these two boys were able to go out and play the sport that they love. Um, The managing director of um, the project that is um, looking after these people who are living on the, the boat said it was um, absolutely fantastic. They'd like to extend a huge thanks to the Glasgow clan and Brayhead Arena for the unprecedented level of welcome and support uh, the Ukrainian guests on board the the ship called MS Ambition uh, have been given, especially to uh, the two boys there. And Gareth Chalmers, um, the managing director of Brayhead Arena, which is home to the club, said that they can appreciate how hard it must be for Surrey and Daniel to have to leave their home and their wider family and friends because of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. Both the players and fans here at the clan love ice hockey and I know the youngsters from Ukraine feel the same. Uh, it must be heartbreaking for them to have to miss what, uh, for them when they miss and can't carry on taking part in their favourite sport. So they asked them along uh, to the arena to get kitted out and play some hockey with the pros. Um, that's one of the best things I've seen come out of any of the Elite League teams this season. Uh, I absolutely love that. I'm here for things like that and 
as we want to do when we see something that we think deserves it. Massive stick taps to Glasgow uh, and to Gareth uh, along at the clan there and all the guys who made those two boys feel at home on the ice. Guys, we have (laughs) nothing else in knocky news. Uh, Marty, I do see that you've popped something down in overtime. Do you want me to, to go through it? Or um, you, you want to take it? I'm 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 happy for you to, if you want if you want to go if you want to take it forward then where you go, John. Yep. Okay. Um, so we just want to give quick props to um, that other podcast uh, based out of Belfast, uh, Manchester, and Birmingham. Uh, that would obviously be the Belfast Giants official podcast, AVFTB, a view from the bridge. Um, and specifically, we want to give props to uh, the the current fundraiser. Uh, that they're doing uh, all in aid of um, the Ulster Hospital uh, neonatal intensive care unit Um, this uh, has been done because Belfast Giants stalwart Mark Garside um, his um, son needed a little bit of um, extra help Uh, little Quinn uh, needed a little bit of extra help um, whenever they were born um, and spent a few uh, weeks in the NICU in the Ulster Um, so Mark has very kindly um, put up a game worn jersey and a meet and greet Um, and I see that today David Majimsey has put up one of the you guys will remember these the the old ice hockey player Mark Garside number 7 t-shirts which uh, is is also there as well Um, tickets are £5 uh, with all of the uh, funds raised going straight to the neonatal intensive care unit at the Ulster Hospital. Um, details for the fundraiser can be found on A View From The Bridges uh, Twitter page, which is at AVFTB, uh, and we'll throw the link up uh, as well. It's a great cause, guys, and uh, I'm not above saying that I've got a couple of tickets for this myself. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention it just because there is uh, obviously it's a limited n- limited number of tickets overall for the whole thing, but there is still tickets out there, and I think they're just wanting to try and get as many of those sold as possible so that they can kind of um, get the I suppose uh, the most amount of money they can in order to raise um, funds for this. So great cause. Um, that's why we just wanted to mention it. <clears throat> yep. Here, here. Um, okay. Um, we have no iron this week, um, and we actually haven't had our ABCs of hockey in a while, but. Aaron did send through something which uh, to us today that um, just I don't think we could finish off this podcast without um, at least highlighting and mentioning it. And in some ways, it kind of replaces an ABCs of hockey in a very good way because it's a nice bedtime story. Um, and I think it's fitting that it still has the ABCs of hockey theme. So here it is. John, over to you. Okay, so a little bit of context here. You'll note that we've got the quiet voice on now because it's the, the last thing in the podcast. It's This is to put the kids to sleep. Um, so over on the, the Belfast Giants Facebook forum, uh, Thomas McDade um, has posted today, or yesterday actually, uh, and said that he'd been playing around with uh, Creator AI. And if you don't know what that is, it's... Um, uh, an artificial intelligence that you you give a couple of details to and it will write a story for you. Some of them are image generators. You give them an idea and they produce something for you. Um, So Thomas 
put in uh, to Creator AI and asked it to write a bedtime story about the Belfast Giants, Adam Keefe, Kiefer, Whistle and Rainer. And this is the result. Once upon a time in Belfast, Ireland, there lived two giants, Adam Keefe and Rainer. They were the best of friends and surprisingly, they were also the biggest fans of the Belfast Giants hockey team. Adam and Rainer were always talking about the Giants and their upcoming games and how they were going to make it to the Stanley Cup finals one day. But their biggest dream was to actually become a part of the team. One night, while Adam and Rainer were sleeping, they heard a strange noise outside their window, like a whistle blowing. Suddenly, a large shining figure appeared in front of them. It was Whistle, the magical hockey puck. Whistle explained to them that he was a magical hockey puck, sent to help the Belfast Giants win the Stanley Cup. He said that if Adam and Rainer could help the team reach their goal, he would make their dreams of becoming part of the Giants team come true. Adam and Rainer agreed, and the next day they began their training. They worked hard, and soon they were ready to join the team. The Belfast Giants were ecstatic to have Adam and Rainer on board. With their help, the team reached the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Oh, what a story. Um, John, the first thing I'll say is Isla's a lucky uh, a lucky girl to have uh, a dad who can, who has a great storytelling voice. That was, that's the first time I've ever heard you tell a story. It was, it was really nice. Um, it's not the first time you've heard me tell a story, but it's the first time you've heard me tell a bedtime story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a great job. Um, you'll be on BBC, BBC uh, what was it, CBBC soon? Telling oh, yeah, yeah. Look, CBBC come at me for the bedtime story. I mean, I'm basically Tom Hardy at this point. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Um, that is that is just pure genius. The the whole whistle, the, the magical hockey puck is just genius. I yeah, I've seen. There's that. times. There's times where I worry about AI and where it's going to go, and the fact that it might kill us all. Then there's this. <laughs> I've seen some brilliant ones where the people have put in like, you know, I made uh, an AI watch like 100 hours of Batman and this is the result. And then it tells a Batman story and it's like really, really random stuff. You're like, did you, yep. did you, what? <laughs> no, it's really good. No, fair play. Um, and, and it's, yeah, great story. <laughs> Uh, it made me laugh and um, I think it just had to be added on because uh, it really is when, when Aaron sent it earlier on in the group chat I was reading I was just reading it and I had the exact same reaction reading it for the first time as I did there now when you read it out loud um, but yeah really really good fair play um, guys I think that's it for this week's podcast um, anybody else have anything oh sorry hang on sorry there was one question one last question from Ooh. from from regular contributor mark um and this is this is this is for uh this is towards dave uh dave the question he asked was thank god it's not me (laughs) uh let me just bring up the question here sorry um question is could you ask dave has he booked the chicken place yet for playoff weekend (laughs) mark no unfortunately not still not taking bookings still only up to march uh, oh, funny! Um, and with that, we will. Uh, finish Whoa! Up our po- Whoa! Sorry. Oh. So final in Sheffield versus Cardiff, <laughs> first leg of the Challenge Cup quarter fight, semi final, quarter final, I can't quarter final. Sheffield five, Cardiff one. 
Back, I'm glad, back to you, Marty. I'm glad we didn't miss that, John. Thank you so much for that update. It was, it was vital. Um, with that, we will sign off for this week. As usual, you can get in touch. You can link in with us um, through our social media channels, um, through all social medias, through Twitter, Facebook, and also Instagram at Door14Hockey. Uh, check out this podcast, the content from this podcast, and other podcasts that we've done uh, up until now um, all on our website, door14hockey.com. Uh, wherever you're listening to us on your podcast provider of choice uh, don't forget to give us a thumbs up a like or a recommendation give us a review we like to see them um, and it really helps and if you're watching us on YouTube um, or if you're not and you didn't realise we have a YouTube channel we do have this as a YouTube video so you can go over there um, to YouTube and you can check out the video content for this uh, podcast get to see our faces as we talk about the the, the stuff that we talk about um <clears throat> so with that i don't think there's anything else so we'll just sign off for this week i'm marty i'm dave i'm john have a great week 